Welcome back, creeps. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the... I was going to say the penultimate. Uh, but no, this is actually just the final episode of Skimwalker. Of Sherman Ranch. The finale. The finale. Yeah. The season finale. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to get right to it now in a minute. Yep. <laughs> Straight away after this. No, how are you? How was your week? I was pretty good. Nothing. Uh, oh, we're just... um. We're just preparing for Hispanic Heritage Month, so doing a lot of research and stuff at work. Nice, nice. Um, currently just finishing up a Neil Gaiman book. Couldn't finish it because there's just so much content. Gave the review. It's glowing. Spoiler. <laughs> and uh, I still need to pick my book for next week. But, like, I literally just recorded the review, like, three hours ago. So. And it's on your YouTube already, is it? Uh, no. Uh, that one's on my Twitch. My review on YouTube right now is the one from Erica Sanchez. That's on YouTube right now. And then the part two of When the Past Was Around is still on my Twitch and will show up on my YouTube in another week. Right on. So that's Kitty Cat Country, all Ks. So don't forget to check it out um, on all of the platforms. What did I do this week? I released a short episode of Just F and Ghost Stories, actually, mm-hmm. because the aim with that is to not be as consistent, but I still enjoy doing it. So whenever I get a chance, basically, I'm going to try and pump out a video and try and get some guest readers on there, hopefully. Cool. So don't forget to reach out to me if you would like me to tell you tell your story on there. Uh, just f and go stories and also check it out you got a tarot card for us i do today's tarot card of the day is the ten of wands today's message all the things you've let pile up are dragging you down when we get stuff done it boosts our energy and fires up our momentum so start tackling that to-do list today this might mean delegating tasks or crossing things out that really aren't that important to you Clear out the energetic clutter in your life and prepare to be revitalized. Right on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it pertains to me right this second, but I'm sure it does. I'm sure everyone could use a sort of reset of priorities. Yeah. Our priority this weekend is that we are actually going to Ramstein. Ramstein? Ramstein. Some people pronounce it Ramstein. Ramstein. And others pronounce it Ramstein. So I don't know which one is the correct. I don't know. I'll never know. But either way, we're going up to San Antonio again. So we'll be there probably right now as you're listening to this. Ramstein sounds like they're a Jewish band. (laughs) Right? I mean, I suppose. I never really thought about it. Mm. Oh, yeah. And my recommends this week was uh, I started watching Yellowstone. Mm, yeah you have and it like really reinforced my want to be a rancher i mean and it all kind of fell in line with this mm-hmm. obviously like the ranch that we've been talking about for the last oh, well like this has been going on for two months now for me because like between reading and stuff but i came to realize pretty soon that uh the dude from yellowstone is what i was envisioning terry to be in real life what was his name again uh, John Dutton. No, in real life. 
Oh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. Kevin Costner as a cowboy. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. That's what it was. My wet dream of a man. Yeah. I was blown away. Anyway, so yeah, I it's, it's really heavy, to be honest. It's, it's, I don't know if I would recommend it. Like a few times I just had to stop watching it because it's like... Anyway, so that that's what I've been watching. That and we've just been... Yeah, like watching The Office and stuff like that. Yeah, again. we just got a subscription for Peacock. So we have been watching The Office frequently. Yeah, so that's always a good time. And before I start this episode, I have a treat for you. What's up? Let me just... A let, tree or a treat? A treat. Oh, okay. Let me pull it up here. Hold on. It's a picture of Terry Sherman. I oh, is it? it? Yeah. Oh, you found Hold it. Hold on. So does he look like Kevin Costner? Or he kind of looks like a great value, what's Kevin Costner. It is Kevin Costner, right? Kevin Costner, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Lovely. Oh, a lovely wow. pixelated version of it there, stretched out on the big screen. Um, oh shit. So yeah, um, obviously I'm going to be putting this on Instagram, but I think I genuinely think this is the only picture in circulation. Wow. Now maybe someone's going to prove me wrong and make me look like a dickhead, but uh, yeah, he's a little on the. Like, he looks a little bit more like me than Kevin Costner, honestly. <laughs> I just didn't think he would look this way. Yeah, he looks... I don't know, like, in my head, he looks... drier. <laughs> like, not as hefty. Yeah, like, he's, you know, he's a sturdy-looking boy. He's he's healthy-looking, but I don't know yeah. why in my head he looked not so healthy-looking. Leaner, I feel like. Leaner, it may be... No, no, no. I know what it is. It's height. I thought he would be taller. Well, so that's what I was thinking. But he actually is supposed to be like over six foot. Really? Yeah. So if he is oh, so over six really foot. it's really the picture doing him an injustice. Yeah. Like, I mean, the fact that we can only Vertically. see from his waist up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also surprised that it's a Nissan truck that he has and it's, not a Ford F-250. It's kind of a shame that he's hiding his hands because I'd be really interested to see how big they were. Yeah, I think we need like one of us in there for scale. But anyway, yeah. so I found the picture and I got pretty excited about it. So uh, you're all welcome. <sighs> anyway, I don't know that. And he looks too friendly to be Terry. I know that's like it's all kind of like that. Ah. Yeah, it's it, like when you read a whole book, like I read Harry Potter. Yeah. At a very young age. And I remember going to the movies and seeing it like in the cinema. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, uh, like, the cast of Harry Potter, I actually thought they got that right. Mm -hmm. um, fell in love with Hermione Granger as a little nine-year-old. Pervert. Um, and then, but it was actually, like, Neville Longbottom and stuff. That I was like, no, that's not, that's not them. You didn't think that was Neville Longbottom? No, like, in my head, I had a different no, I know. view. And, like, Dudley and stuff. Oh, no, I think they hit the nail on the head on all of them. Not, not for Even me, um, that one lady who played um, that mean teacher with the cats. She's not mean. Professor McGonagall. No, not her. Oh, they they cast her perfectly too. No, the she was in one season, one book. Oh, Umbridge. Umbridge. Yeah, Professor no, no, no. Umbridge. Her, yeah, oh yeah. my god, she fucking killed that. Like, yeah, but like, I hated her. By the time that came out, I had time to process and like you know adjust. But initially... but she was a, a new character though. She was in the fifth book. Yeah. 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 The worst book. No, but <laughs> anyway, 
Let's get on with it. I'm so that's what to, Terry Sherman looks like. I'm trying to think of who they cast poorly. Dudley, I'm telling you, because in my head, Harry Potter's cousin looked like the big dude from Recess. But obviously they can't cast him but because he he's does a cartoon look like character. The big dude from Recess. You thought the kid would be taller. Taller and blonder, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I see your point. I see your point. Anyway, we're getting way off track here. Nobody wants to hear who we would have cast in Harry Potter. You know who I think they cast incorrectly? Nymphadora Tonks. What a name, Nymphadora. Yeah. Anyway, so we wrap so up last topic. <laughs> So we wrapped up last week with a huge black creature visible only through infrared binoculars climbing through a portal from another dimension and casually sauntering off through the trees oh, onto the ex-Sherman-owned yeah. property. Yeah, yeah. It was now being run by NIDS, remember? Uh-huh. NIDS being the National Institute for Discovery Science. And nerds. N- nerds. NIDS. Actually, somebody called us nerds on Instagram. <laughs> anyway. Spooky nerds. Yeah. So Nid saw this ranch as a perfect opportunity to study the bizarre activity that had been plaguing not just the entire, not just the ranch, but the entire Uinta Basin for hundreds, if not thousands of years prior to this. They had all the equipment they could gather from private jets to scientists and a bigger budget than probably any other research group of this type had ever had at their disposal. And yet the one thing that they came to discover was that the ranch seemed to have its own plans and the NIDS team just didn't really factor in. The creature in the tunnel incident had taken place in late August of 1997, but the couple of months preceding that had been relatively quiet. The crew had installed security cameras in certain spots on the ranch that were going to record 24-7, and I'm pretty sure they had, like, the idea was to get a complete 360 view around at least um, like where the homestead and observation trailer was. I don't think they could cover the entire ranch. But either way, like even with all of this, um, all of this like consistent monitoring, they still didn't really catch anything like for the entire time that these cameras were set up. Like a few times they would catch what looked like possibly fireballs or maybe a UFO. Maybe it was like a drug smuggling plane is what like, they said they literally couldn't rule anything out and it didn't give them any any tangible evidence again. I, I'm not surprised because you get the feeling that whatever this is is aware, cognizant, I think it's the word. Yeah, big time. And like the word omnipotent was thrown around because, you know, it always seemed to be like one step ahead and... This I'm I'm going like off my notes here, but for like one example was, you know, the thing always seemed to be following Terry or doing this or doing that. But one time Terry was out like later in the evening, I think it was had just gone dark and he was like doing something in the field. I don't know, fixing a fence or something. And he saw one of those like orbs floating around and it was clearly following him like and just keeping an eye on him. And then it like turned around or something like that. And as it turned around, Terry jumped behind a hail bay. Or hail bay? Hail bay, bale of hay. Hay bale. There you <laughs> Sorry. go. And when the, the thing lost him and then but like proceeded to search the field looking for him. Huh. So he was like, so it's not 
like yeah it's it's cognizant it's intelligent but it's also fallible is that the word yeah yeah and like obviously terry thought that was a big win for him you know it probably has a poor sense of smell i know that's random but like think about the senses like it could clearly see things but it turned around turned back terry was gone if it had a sense of smell it could sniff him out yeah that's true and also like the gen the general theory is like these aren't beings like these are drones or something yeah you know so yeah that can make sense or like they can't sense the vibrations either because if terry jumped abruptly behind something it mm. might have sensed something yeah i mean they're in the air anyway but, yeah um anyway yeah so this it was clever enough to avoid the, the cameras and it doesn't have sight like a hawk not like then hawks can see thing like mice on the floor oh yeah yeah true so yeah this thing it has a bunch of faults well i mean this is one time out of like how oh, okay. many that terry managed maybe to i'm being too judgmental yeah i think so a little bit <laughs> sorry invisible thing yeah well it's not invisible these are the orbs that we're talking about orbs that destroy cows yeah there was another incident with something very similar to what came out of the tunnel and the physicist who was watching it coming out of this like portal through the night vision binoculars did say that the thing spoke to him telepathically. He claimed it said simply, we are watching you. But then it disappeared into the trees. Hmm. And again, he was like ballpark figure was like, I was like 400 pounds, which, OK, maybe it was 200 pounds. Like, you know what I mean? But yeah. he definitely saw something. And at the time that this happened, it was Colin Kelleher who wrote secret uh the hunt for skit hunt for the skinwalker the book and the physicist like i said who from the nids team yeah and colin went to great lengths to say that the physicist was genuinely terrified he like almost had like a mental break with this but he was trying to be scientific about it and be like okay i witnessed this but like then he walked outside and uh, a bird like flew down he mm-hmm. disturbed a sleeping bird and he lost his reason like so yeah imagine being invaded like that in your mind yeah knowing that whatever it is is not a thought of your own yeah and again these are men of like science yeah so this is a definite no-no it rocked their world yeah their nerd worlds but like that nothing really too crazy like i mean they they had no proof of this yeah. Again, like just this one dude saw it. That's even worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <for> them. <laughs> yeah. So a few days after the tunnel creature incident, the the initial tunnel creature incident, the Nids crew That's had. That's what I call my poos. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Girls. <laughs> a few days after the tunnel creature incident, the Nids crew had returned back to Vegas, where their headquarters were. And their headquarters are like a 50-acre building. Jesus. Yeah, like it's a huge premises. Terry was like doing his thing back at the ranch. He was still the like the maintenance guy, the supervisor, ranch manager. That's the one. But late in the afternoon, something frightened the cows and caused them to stampede southwards, breaking through the barbed wire fence and into an alfalfa field in the neighboring property. Terry had to act fast, though, because even though cows can eat alfalfa, 
Eating it during a specific stage of growth can cause a massive buildup of gas and foam in the rumen, which can cause the cow to die. What's a rumen? Like in the butt? <laughs> no. Funny you should ask. I happen to know what a rumen is. I'll get down into it later uh, in just a second. But I also think that this can only happen from long-term exposure, or at least I thought. But I'm sure Terry, a seasoned rancher, knows a lot more than me. Yeah. A city boy. I don't think I have ever been to a farm. Mm. Also, for those wondering, uh, the rumen is the largest of the cow's stomach compartments. It consists of several sacks and can hold 25 gallons or more of material, depending on the size of the cow. Oh. That's just off the top of my head. They have like four stomachs, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I actually only found out what the room, like that, this stuff affects the rumen. But yeah. Different stomachs for like different stages of digestion, I guess. Yeah. Do you think when a cow gets full and it's offered dessert, it's like, oh no, I I ran out of rumen. Uh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's late, okay. Not like in the day. It's late in the week. We're tired. But. <laughs> So if a cow does get this bloat from eating too much alfalfa, sometimes the only way to save its life is by sticking something through its, like, not its neck, but like its chest, say, like that area. It's like up on their shoulders. They have to pierce through that and through into the stomach to let the gas and the foam out. Whoa. Horrific. And That sucks. Yeah. And I read about all this stuff because I, like, just have this need to know. About cows, yeah. About every, like, all these stupid little things that I'm researching. I'm always like, but, yeah, what about if this happened or that happened or whatever? But the very next day I was watching Yellowstone at work and this exact situation happened. Oh. I was like, had never heard of alfalfa or, like, rumens or, like, anything like that. And literally the next day I'm watching this TV show and... They did it to a cow. The rancher was like, you gotta stab him through here cause, and let the air out of the rumen. And I was what? like, yes, yes, you do have to do that. I know that. You're like, mm, I can vouch for that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just mental. I was like, yeah, I, I read this on Wikipedia last night. <laughs> He's right. Um, but yeah, just one of those weird kind of synchronicities. I don't know. Maybe we'll run into a cow this weekend or something. Anyway, <laughs> Tad just happened to be on the ranch that day. Tad is Terry's son, remember? And Terry needed his help because there was over 35 cows that needed wrangling. They tried in vain for two hours, but the cows were still shooketh and did not want to go back to their own land. So rather than keep forcing them straight north to get them back into the field, Terry drove them east for a while before turning them back towards Sherman Ranch just to kind of trick them into it. Like, yeah. But there was something that they did not want to go back to. By the time Terry finally resorted to this diversion tactic, it was already midnight. They had been at this for nearly six hours. Damn. Yeah. And that's when he saw it. A golf ball sized blood red orb popped into view and was headed directly towards him, barely missing Terry's horse's head, causing it to rear up and take off in a panic. Meanwhile, the red ball thing was now zipping around one of the bull's heads and causing it to start acting up. Yeah. Now, remember, this was like three dozen cows Mm -hmm. and one angry bull like in the middle of it. Yeah. 
Terry managed to settle his horse, but then another blood red ball flew at them again, and this time the horse just totally lost it. Suddenly Terry found himself hurtling towards a 15 foot drop. His diversion plan, you see, had brought them close to a creek. He managed to throw himself off the horse before the drop, but the horse went over. No. No. Yeah, but miraculously, the horse landed uninjured and just started to climb back up. What? The step. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it was just like super soft ground or something, but yeah. horse's legs break all the time. Yeah. This one was fine. Thank This one was a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. So while Terry had his attention on getting his horse back to safety, the red things were driving the cattle now towards the edge of the small canyon. Oh, what? Yeah. But by the time Terry and Tad realized what was happening, it was too late to stop them. <gasps> it's literally, it's like a scene from like The Lion King. Yeah. All three dozen cows went <gasps> over the edge. No. Yeah. And it was just a complete and utter shit show. But thankfully, they only lost one cow and one calf. I mean, it's still sad to lose yeah. a cow and a calf. What do you mean? Only like all of the other ones were fine? There was a couple of broken legs, but they all managed to like heal up. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. So I think they all kind of just tumbled over one another. Like the poor ones that didn't make it obviously just got crushed. Wow. The red balls were gone though. And they managed to round up the rest of the herd and get them situated for the night. All in all, the whole ordeal lasted around seven hours. Seven hours on horseback. Like, yeah, it's insane. Mm -hmm. And as they were heading home at around 3 a.m., because that's just a thing with ranch life, apparently. They saw one of those blue, slightly bigger orbs that they had witnessed like months earlier. Remember, that was the one that initially gave Terry the like terrifying fear. And actually the one that they killed, killed the, dogs. the dogs. Yeah, I think. Um, but this time it just seemed to like survey the area and take off again. What a dick. Yeah. Fucking hating these orbs, man. I know. And then like it, it is bizarre. Just those big are, bullies. Yeah. And like when Tad was the last one. So for whatever reason... Maybe they only had one truck at the time, but Gwen would come and pick Terry up from the ranch at like three in the morning. So to me, this seemed weird. But anyway, she swung by to pick them up and Tad was just like closing the gate or something. I was walking through the field on his own just towards the car and Terry and Gwen were watching. And one of these red orbs was just following him. Oh, shit. So they thought, like, oh, this is it. <laughs> like, Yeah, he's going to disappear. Yeah, but then nothing. And all Tad said was, like, you know, I had this w the weirdest feeling that I was being watched. But everybody said that that's just the feeling that they had at all times on the ranch. Yeah. So I don't know. The cameras that were installed by Nids, like I said, didn't catch all that much, as far as we know. There are rumors that Mr. Bigelow hadn't been quite as forthcoming as he let on. What do you mean? Basically, some people think that he's keeping secrets. What kind of secrets? It's like secret secrets of of the Sherman Ranch. Oh, okay. Like a lot of people think he has a lot more evidence that he didn't release. Oh, okay. But according to everybody else, they're like, no, we really just, like, <laughs> it's yeah. just a bum, like a failed attempt. Yeah. But they did say that activity would always happen just out of view of the cameras. Right. So again, this thing is intelligent, like whatever it was, knew exactly where the cameras, where the cameras could and couldn't see. Interesting. Yeah. And that still to this day seems to be a, like an ongoing thing. But one thing that we do know 
is that on the 20th of July 1998, a year after they were installed, almost to the day, three of the cameras suddenly stopped working. The NIS crew weren't on the ranch when Terry noticed that the cameras had stopped working, so he went to inspect the poles and see if maybe they'd been damaged by like a recent storm or even, I don't know, one of the cows or something, I don't know. But what he found was that the wires had been completely pulled out of all three cameras by someone. So he called the NIDS crew to come and see for themselves. Like This is what anytime anything strange happened, he would call them. And a lot of the time, they would have a private jet sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. So the three cameras were mounted on a telephone pole and each one had two cables going to it, power cable and signal cable. They ran down the pole and into an underground pipe to the observation trailer so they could watch things in real time and they were being recorded at the same time. Each set of cable was individually wrapped in duct tape within the pipe and the plastic piping, which is called conduit, had been completely ripped off the pole and lay scattered and bent on the ground and the cables had been ripped from the cameras. But possibly the most bizarre thing of all was that all of the duct tape was gone. Okay, now duct tape isn't the easiest thing to remove from anything. Obviously, like that's why we use it. But temperatures average around 90 degrees in the summer in the Uintal Basin. And this causes the adhesive on the duct tape to melt and it becomes this absolute nightmare to remove from anything like at that point like i even have a roll of electrical tape that i i don't know whether it melted in the car or in the garage but like i still can't like i'm still putting my hand in like just black tar Gross. every now and then yeah in my toolbox and stuff it's a nightmare but something had managed to go through probably close to 70 feet of duct tape infused cable and completely remove it there wasn't any evidence of it like the duct tape was gone disappeared there was no more duct tape left. I get it. The duct tape, gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they checked the cameras on the next pole down, which actually had a clear view of the ones that were sabotaged. That's what I was going to ask. Like, do they have cameras on their cameras? Yeah, they did. They, they liked cameras so much that they put a camera on the camera. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they did, but it was yeah, like... Yeah, too careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the next like telephone pole full of cameras was like 200 yards or 200 feet down. It was a good distance, but they could still physically see this pole that was damaged on the screen. Yeah, yeah. So they were able to verify that the cameras definitely stopped working around 8.30 p.m., which is what Terry had said. But they didn't see any other evidence of anything. Like, I guess once it got dark... They couldn't see anything on the cameras, maybe. I'm not sure. Again, this was 1998, so I don't know how good night vision cameras were. Yeah. Or if there was even such a thing available to the public. But they took the videotapes from the functioning cameras, the ones with the duct tape still intact. They had duct tape. Got <laughs> this it. Is literally in my notes. Oh my God. <laughs> they took them back to Vegas to have the footage, quote unquote, enhanced. And they said that this meant that, like, it didn't really clear anything up, but they could see the actual red light go off on the cameras at exactly whatever time Terry had said. Okay. So this just proved that they had stopped working before anything was vandalized. Like, that's all, that's the only thing that they could come up with. Okay, great. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And what does that do for us? Yeah. But... 
I think if it, if they hadn't been able to prove that, then people would have just said, oh, it was Terry. Oh, you know I what I mean? See. Or something. So yeah, I guess you're right. They can at least say, well, something weird happened. Yeah. And I also don't know about the whole like footage enhancement thing either, because like I currently work with a lot of video files from VHS, from VHS tapes directly. And like they are literally the worst quality thing. But like you got you got to remember, man, like Bigelow probably has access to like government shit because of his money, you know, so like yeah. he probably has seen like one of those Gundam machine things. What is that? You know, like imagine the Transformer. Oh, like the exoskeleton? Yeah. Thing? Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe. But either way, they said that it worked. Like I was saying earlier, the NIDS team did say that the activity sort of just fizzled out at this point. Like, like a lot of these stories, there's no like abrupt ending. It's not like the conjuring where a big phony baloney man comes in and starts shouting prayers at something. Yeah. A lot of the time they just fizzle out. And I really tried to figure out when Terry actually like retired from the ranch as well. But that's something I just couldn't find. I do have a bit of a timeline that I'm about to get into but the ranch wasn't done with terry and gwen just yet because in april 1999 as they were driving off the land gwen said to terry what is that because this is gwen's new voice <laughs> <laughs> weird but okay yeah. jesus christ gwen what? Are you okay? <laughs> she's sick okay yeah, <laughs> she yeah. has a flu she had a cold yeah <laughs> But no, they saw clouds of dust being kicked up by a couple of horses in a corral about a quarter of a mile away. So naturally, they turned off the road and started driving towards the corral. And as they got closer, they could see that there was some something chasing the horses around. A stray dog, maybe. This had happened before. A, a loose dog will get in and just start fucking with horses because they can. Okay. They can only make out a reddish-brown blur. But as they got closer, they realized... This was no dog. Oh, was it that thing from the beginning, from day one? Not even, right? What? So this is a quote. It was a big animal, very heavily muscled with short legs. It seemed to have the shape of a hyena's body, but it had a bushy tail, like a fox's tail. Its head resembled a dog's head, but it had short stubby legs like a boar and was around 200 pounds. Goddamn. Yeah, now... It kind of sounds like someone's going, oh, it had like th this head that looks like a dog's head. But it wasn't really, and like the legs are just a little bit too short. But they said it, it didn't actually seem to want to cause like harm to the horses, but like the dogs would, they would just rile them up for fun. But Terry hated fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm sure Terry's lovely, but they said that when the dogs would do this, like it would leave the horses all stressed out and hard to manage for days. Yeah. Because horses are just a big bag of nerves, apparently. When they got close enough, Terry jumped out of his truck, slammed the door and started running, causing the hyena boar fox dog to dart <laughs> off through the corral fence <laughs> and off up a bit of a hill with Terry hot on its tracks. But then it just disappeared. <laughs> but in broad daylight, and in full view of Terry, this thing literally vanished. vanished. So this, as as far as I know, is the first time that they actually witnessed something disappear. Yeah. With like just their own eyes in broad daylight. Yeah. He searched the area because he's Terry and he's very logical. 
and he was thinking, well, maybe it actually was some sort of fox or something, and maybe there's a foxhole or a burrow or yeah. anything, but there was no sign of evidence, and the ground was too hard for tracks. So literally, the only evidence of the creature ever being there was these pretty nasty scratches and bites on the horses. Mm. So even though it didn't cause, you know, detrimental harm, it definitely left its mark. Yeah. And then there were two more reports that matched the creature's description. One from a local man and one from a rancher. I don't know how long after this, but two other people came forward at some stage and said, oh, yeah, I saw something like that. But much like the wolves, they just stopped appearing. Like the wolves kind of hung around for a few weeks, disappeared. And this happened with other weird creatures too, just not as like dramatically. Terry said there was a period of a few days when these little bright red birds, he said they were exotic looking birds, just showed up and hung out near one of the abandoned homesteads. Then they just vanished forever. So like, I remember the first time I read that, I was like, but maybe they were just like migrating something or other. Yeah. But even here when we're sitting outside, like we kind of know what birds are. Yeah. You know, like the usual ones that we're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And these ones were like fiery red and exotic looking. Yeah. And the fact that there was a lot of them all in one specific location on the land. And then all of a sudden there was no more ever again. And slightly more disturbing was the appearance of strange large spiders that just popped up around the same abandoned homestead. Oh, no, ma'am. Yeah, they hung around for a few weeks and then he never saw them again. You'd never see me again. Literally, I'm like, no way. And I feel like as well for him to say that, oh, yeah, they were big. Like, they must have been huge. <laughs> They must have been like dinner plates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of all the information from the book itself. But the story obviously didn't stop. I think it's around this time that Bobby Bigelow starts to get like real secretive about the goings on. But they they also said that the activity just kind of dried up. So I think that that's what I personally am choosing to believe. Like it just kind of went away. There were many theories presented, but the one that the ghost geek in me likes likes the most is that when the Sherman family moved onto the ranch, there was so much emotion and stress coming from them that the activity seemed to feed off of this energy that they were giving out. They would get scared, they would get stressed, more stuff would happen. Yeah. The Shermans were essentially stuck there with no choice. Whereas the NIDS team came in with the attitude that this was nothing more than a job and they could leave anytime they wanted. Yep. And so there wasn't the fuel needed for this paranormal firestorm. It was five o'clock in the morning when I wrote this. (laughs) (laughs) So dramatic. Yeah. Sometimes I like to just... You know, be dramatic, feed my inner Zach Baggins. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a similar fashion to poltergeist cases, though, maybe like their paranormal cow had been milked dry. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's only so much you can squeeze out of that tit without it giving it time to replenish itself. Yeah, because it needs room to replenish. uh, Ah. A little more room in there. (laughs) So... The NIDS team also had active investigations in other paranormal hotspots at this time, like Dulce, New Mexico, which we probably will cover one day, hopefully. Oh, it's spooky there. It's messed up there, yeah. It's alienish there. Oh, yeah. So, like, there was no lack of work for them at that time. And I think the Shermans had retired from the land. 
sometime between 1999 and 2004. I guess they got that closure or they too accepted the fact that like, you know what? Stuff just isn't really happening anymore. Let's move on. Yeah. This next bit of timeline is taken from skinwalkerranch.com. It's definitely a questionable source, but it's fun. If you have time, if you're more interested in this, go on there and and go through it. The person has put a lot of work into it. Yay, fun. Yay, alien fun. So in 2004... NIDS is officially disbanded, but the ranch remained in Bigelow's possession until 2016. In 2007, an unnamed DIA agent receives special permission from Bigelow to tour the ranch and has a, quote, personalized close encounter. Whatever happened, the guy went straight to his superiors with the report, which led to a Senator Harry Reid's giving $22 million from somewhere for the study of the ranch. Now, there is a name for that DIA agent, but I wasn't going into like seeing, Oh, this is the guy who leaked the information or anything. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to figure it out, it's that information is online. There was also a whole lot of, um, you know, people were really upset when the information came out that somebody gave $22 million of the government's money for this investigation. Yeah. They were like, um, you know, healthcare. So anyway, that same year, 2007, the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program and Advanced Aerospace Weapon System Application Program, ATIP and OSAP, were secret investigatory efforts funded by the US government to study UFOs on the ranch. This eventually loses funding by 2012, and the ranch is bought for $4.5 million by the current owner, one Mr. Brandon Fugel, real estate investor, businessman who is obviously very successful, and he's currently the chairman of like Collier's International, whatever that is. He has like a million and one different ventures, like all these rich people do. He's also, a, I think, a devout Mormon. Hmm. Yeah, and he's from Utah and he's very religious anyway, so I'm assuming. He bought the ranch under the impression, yeah. That he was going to convert the aliens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you heard the good word? <laughs> and the aliens are like, well, we're Get not home. Here. Get out of here. Well, yeah. we're not <laughs> roll them up <laughs> so he bought the the ranch under the impression that nids were either making up everything or were just completely incompetent in their scientific practices he is kind of smug in the sense that he's like you know oh those guys just bungled it because they wanted to see aliens he completely privatized the like the road into the ranch is completely gated off now and he brought in a crew of his own scientists and a heavily armed security team led by his head of security and own personal Dwight Schrute. Dragon. Dragon. <laughs> I shit you not. This guy sits in business meetings and refers to him as Dragon. You Have you got the evidence? Him, oh though. my God. Because he doesn't look like a dragon. No, he looks closer to Dwight Schrute than a dragon. He looks like uh, Napoleon Dynamite's brother. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't look like that. Maybe the uncle. Um, but I did have a snoop along through Dragon's Twitter, and he seems like a nice guy. I've seen him like giving T-shirts to kids and stuff like that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's he's hard a to dragon say. with a heart. Yeah, <laughs> with a heart of gold. <laughs> so Brandon remains skeptical. Brandon is Mister Fugel, the owner. Brandon remained skeptical even as his crew reported strange and stranger experiences 
until about six months into his new venture when he was out visiting with a group of people and they all witnessed, I'm pretty sure in broad daylight, a UFO that was in full view for a solid 20 seconds. Now, the person that was with him, he said was a dignitary. Whatever that means, I'm pretty sure it just means politician, maybe from a different country. Maybe an important person. Yeah. Somebody of, you know, some repute, I suppose. Anyway, he claims, or he said the thing, it came into view, moved around a little bit, like in ways that were impossible for, you know, your average plane or helicopter to do, and then zipped off. He said it either moved so fast that they just lost sight of it or it completely disappeared in front of their eyes. Now, he also claims that he didn't initially want any of the TV stuff or anything like that. But the History Channel approached him multiple times and eventually convinced him to go for it. So obviously the check just kept getting bigger. Yeah, yeah. So now that TV series is in its third season at this point, and I'm not going to, you know, go through every episode or anything. It's a History Channel show, so it's full of dramatic sound bites like, we are quickly losing places that are safe to go on this ranch. And it's hard to kill a cow. But it's a fun watch. If you're, I'm not even joking. Like episode one, you will hear those sound bites. If you're into those types of shows, it's a bit like Ghost Adventure meets Deadliest Catch. Like it's fine. It's it's fine. Is it like that uh, TV show Ancient Aliens? Yeah. Well, I actually have never seen that. I oh. I do want to start watching it, but I imagine it's very similar. Okay. Now the crew, as they appear on the TV show, include but are not limited to. Eric Bard, principal investigator. Eric is a nervous wreck. Okay, I don't know how he ended up with this job, but if anyone has ever watched the Rugrats, this man is a grown-up Chucky Finster. Aww. He is so timid and, like, just nervous, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of everything. Uh, Jim Segala is a scientist who seems very logical. Bryant Arnold is Dragon's real name. He's the very emotional head of security. Tom Winterton is the new Terry. He's the superintendent of the ranch. And Dr. Travis Taylor, who is the scientist brought in as like the face of the show. He's from Decatur. Is that how you say it? Alabama. Mm -hmm. And he's been on other History Channel shows and Discovery shows like Rocket City Rednecks in the past. Okay, he is what I would expect Woody from Toy Story to be if he went to college. <laughs> okay, like, I am a sophisticated scientist and I am here to see what we can find here at this ranch. Right. Everything is that. It's, it's so <laughs> it, It's so cringy. But anyway, they're a funny little crew. But aside from all the History Channel fluff and dramatics, they have actually caught, like, a few interesting bits of evidence. Um, like, what I would consider genuine UFO sightings. Okay. They caught on the ranch by the History Channel. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but even with like their modern cameras and all that, like we're still only seeing glimpses. Like you still mm. have to rely on someone to zoom in on something that's, that's a true. mile up in the sky. That's at, true. Like, Don't you hate that when like you're watching a video and whoever's like recording the UFO stuff, like it's just and, down. Or all yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> I fucking hate get a this. gimbal, man. <laughs> but as George Knapp said, though. This ranch only lets you see what it wants to. So with that theory, the harder you try to capture the evidence, the harder it gets. And so he said he like I said, I don't want to summarize the whole TV show, but it is just like so funny. Like 
in the first episode after they have their first team meeting with Travis. Travis! Because he's the new guy, Brandon Fugel takes him to the private hangar where the helicopter is waiting for them, right? So Fugel takes him in his matte black Lamborghini, right? Like some... Jesus. Some Jesus fearing Some nerdy Bruce Batman. Wayne. Yeah, yeah, literally. And like you can tell as they're driving, like he all of a sudden like puts the foot down. He's like, eh? Uh, and they're trying to have this conversation like casual for the camera um but then they get to the to the hangar and i had to include this so i was like literally giggling this morning um so it's brandon's brothers work for him Uh and one of them is the helicopter pilot Mm -hmm. and he comes in he's like introducing travis he's like hey this is the new guy like we're going to be taking him to the ranch and his brother goes we're going to be flying at ten thousand feet (laughs) like it to me it was just like we're going in the helicopter in the sky. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And Travis is just like cool. <laughs> like, anyway, the show the show starts up in August of twenty nineteen. It's like when someone says Oh my god, what was it? You had said one time uh <laughs> I forgot what it was that you were like and then he fell. Uh, I was telling you, I was like, and then he fell and you were like, he fell? Down? Why <laughs> <laughs> was so funny? Yeah. Like, where yeah. else would he fall? It's like, oh, we're gonna, we have to be there by nine o'clock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> so, anyway, the show starts open around August of, not around it. It starts in August of 2019. But Brandon Fugel and his crew had three years worth of monitoring and having interesting experiences. Like the entire cliffs, it's they call it the Mesa, but it's just a, a kind of a small cliff at the edge of the, the property. That just lights up on its own. Like the entire cliff lights up. What do you but, mean? Like as if there's a big city behind the cliff. How does it light up? Have you ever seen like city lights in the distance? Yeah. That's what it looks like, but there's no city lights to light it up what the fuck yeah they have like strange beams of light that literally look like nightclub spotlights or the bat symbol and no one knows no one knows what yeah and like they also have like different variations of camera looking at this like different color spectrums like picking Whoa, up yeah yeah that's wild no like it is very cool what they have actually one other thing uh when dr travis was being shown into the like the HQ on, because they obviously have their own observation mm-hmm. place. Like the first thing he says is like, cool, I like the pictures. Oh my God. Uh... Anyway, sorry. I am sorry, Dr. Travis Taylor. If I ever meet you, I will shake your hand, but you're, f- it's funny. So, and obviously like other strange goings on that they have picked up too. But remember at the very start when the Shermans took over and there was a clause in the contract that specifically said no digging. Oh. Right. So they just thought that this was like, you know, the eccentric old owners. Okay. But I mean, they were putting fences in every two hours by the sounds of things. Like they had to dig. It was a rank. So I don't know if there was any. Why didn't they dig at that mesa that lit up to study the soil? Well, so this is what I'm getting into. The The rule still stands, at least as far as the first season of the show, because Thomas Winterton, the superintendent, he took it upon himself after all these people saying like, no, 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 we can't dig on the ranch. He was like, well, I'm going to start digging. 
And he does. <laughs> and then over the course of the next three days, his scalp separated from his skull. <gasps> okay. And this is like, I mean, as true as a History Channel thing can report, like there's x-rays and everything. And like he is genuinely scared after this. He has pictures of his head wrapped in bandages and everything like in the hospital. And what the fuck? How did what happened? What are the repercussions of that? So I honestly, I he had really bad headaches. Like, actually. Um, and so now, but now, apparently, like, when stuff starts to kick up, like, weird activity, he will start to get these throbbing headaches. <gasps> but, like, over the couple of days, when this first kind of happened to him, he was like, they say he was digging on a Tuesday. On the Wednesday, he woke up and he said he had a goose egg on the back of his head. The fuck? And he was like, I think he thought, like, oh, maybe I got some weird kind of bite or something. But then it kept getting bigger and bigger. And eventually, his partner or wife took him to the emergency room they were like yeah your scalp has detached from your skull <gasps> like and they had no explanation the doctors they were like yeah this is fucking weird wow. so if this is all true then yeah like the the previous owners had a very valid reason for not wanting to dig on the land so but i mean did they make any mention that they're fucking scalps no like i think this is the first time this has ever happened like and i'm sure there so, like, could be why, very natural causes for it it just happened to come pretty much as soon as he started digging on the ranch but something must have happened when they were digging on the ranch initially well like, i, th- the I think the, the general theory was just bad shit happened like but there, it, what, or, they don't have any accounts of like when they they dug not as far as on I know. the ranch wow. but i mean it was a working ranch so like you had to dig yeah Anyway. Wow. So I wonder if that's why they kill the dogs. Because dogs Because dogs dig. I, I really have no idea. That's so crazy. Yeah, no, it is nuts. And then, like, the team also found areas of high radiation. And remember, like, as well, I think it was the last episode we were saying, like, magnets would just go berserk. Oh, like, yeah. And, like, the compasses. Oh, sorry. Compasses would go berserk because mm-hmm. of, like, weird magnetization and stuff. So obviously that's something that they test for here. People's phones like will just go off the charts, like doing their own thing. Like it's entering the passcodes to their phones and unlocking them mm-hmm. as they're in their hands watching it. And then like taking screenshots, typing letters, like all of this stuff. Typically when, you know, activity is picking up. And your man, Dr. Travis, actually ended up getting radiation burns. Just from being near one of these areas. Like, oh, wow. Full on blisters. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was so similar to the, the case that I did a TikTok on. And this is not just a cheap plug, but go and, you know, watch my TikTok. You know, I'm really hipping with it. But this story I actually got from Hunt from the Shimshaller, the book that I used to, for this series. And in that story, these three people had a pretty close-up encounter with an unidentified flying object just outside of Houston, right? It was like 30 minutes from here Mm -hmm. on some back road. And then the UFO that they saw was either chased or escorted away by a bunch of military helicopters. The three witnesses suffered pretty bad symptoms, which appeared to be caused by radiation and even microwaves, right? And the, the lady who really suffered badly from it she was physically closest and outside with the UFO for the the longest out of this, like two or three minutes. 
But she ended up in hospital with her eyes swelled shut and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like she really got messed up. And then like some years later, she eventually died of cancer. And the people were like, oh, it's because of, I mean, it could have been because of everything. It was like 15 years later. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Like maybe she even smoked like a trooper, but they're just saying like, yeah. Either way, it wasn't a good time for her or That's crazy. the other two. Yeah, seriously, like, uh, watch that TikTok. It's, it, that tells the whole story. But like I said, the, these investigations are ongoing. And I'm glad about that because this is something that we're going to keep coming back to over and over again over time. I have actually bought another book this morning that's just personal encounters from Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting, though, is that even with all of this well-documented evidence, and huge amounts of personal experiences, including like mad famous people like Robbie Williams from Take That. Do you know Take That or Robbie Williams? No. Okay, well, all of the people in the rest of the world will know. I just don't know how big he is here. But in like the UK and Europe, he's oh, okay. a like, superstar. Anyway, he was just randomly in the 2016 documentary. Yeah, like and not even introduced as like Robbie Williams to famous rock star pop star guy he was just someone sitting around the fire circle and i was like hold on a minute oh i saw that yeah and and he's just like he had had a a pretty gnarly experience of his own like not on skinwalker ranch like but um yeah so he was just there to kind of like furthering his spiritual journey and yeah yeah anyway and then more recently post malone who is look I still haven't heard any of his music other than the songs that he's done with Ozzy Osbourne because uh-huh. I love Ozzy. This dude is cool. Yeah, he is. I don't care. I don't know any anything about him other than the fact that he is an absolute nerd and I love him. Yeah, he seems like a cool dude to hang out with. Yeah, apparently he's really smelly, but look, we all are sometimes. So anyway, there's a picture of on Dragon's Twitter, on Dragon's Twitter, of him and Mr. Post brandishing some big ass guns Mm. together on the ranch but with all this like now the stories are even more likely to not be taken seriously apparently it's the catch-22 of being a paranormal nerd it's like there's not enough evidence to prove that anything is happening well here's multiple millions of dollars worth of studying hours of camera footage and stories and it's all fake now because it's all a hoax because the sherman family just wanted money so they made it all up uh, yeah. According to Joe Rogan, oh, apparently. I never believe anything that he says. Well, that was, yeah, Benji told me the other day that Joe Rogan thought all this was fake. Yeah. But if the Shermans were doing it for money, mm-hmm. bearing in mind all of the cattle that they lost in the two-year span that they were on the ranch, guess how much Mr. Bigelow supposedly paid the Shermans for that ranch in 1997? How much? 200000 that's it. 200,000, even in 1997, could maybe buy you, I don't know, a six bedroom house. Like, yeah, yeah. Out of push. Like, this farm was like, or this ranch is acres and acres of land. Yeah. And even, like, they had a lot of debt. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the 200 grand could have cleared their debt. It did not make them, yeah, like rock stars or anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I am on the side of there is weird stuff happening there. Yeah. Like, definitely. For sure. And like I said, the the TV show is fine. There's definitely some interesting stuff coming from it. And if nothing else, it's got like a couple of the random interviews I got from watching the TV show. 
and it all tied back into the, what had happened in the book. And I was like, oh, my God, like there's another example of X, Y, or Z happening. Yeah. So it's really like bolting down the story, I feel like. Even with the History Channel's dusting of drama. But like I said, there's just so much lovely information about the ranch. And the George Knapp documentary with Robbie Williams is definitely worth a watch. That's got all the older stuff. Mm-hmm. in it so i would definitely recommend that uh i've watched the two seasons of the tv show begrudgingly and the third season is available now but you have to pay 20 dollars to watch it and i'm not doing it no fuck that so maybe in six months time when they release it for free on like prime or hulu well i'll watch it then or when we get enough money on the patreon or that yeah i mean if people specifically want me to watch <laughs> <laughs> season three of skin of hunt for the skinwalker the secrets of skinwalker ranch let me know. We can do a watch along or something, maybe. But either way, we will be returning to this subject one day. But for now, it's finished. Yay. Nobody talked to me <laughs> about Sherman. <laughs> I don't know. I actually no one I, talked to me about flim floppers. Yeah, no flim floppers, no no weird orbs in the sky. Um but no, I genuinely think this might be my favorite story. Like, because it's such a broad range of everything. Yeah. What was your favorite memory of these four episodes? Like, your favorite example of a story, say? Well, I wouldn't say example of a story. I would just say that I just love Terry. Like, Terry is a hero for me. <laughs> yeah, me too. That I definitely feel like I put him on a bit of a pedestal. Yeah. But he was hardcore. And yeah. Gwen, like, she was a trooper as well. Yeah. Pretty sure she had a nervous breakdown, but it was I, like, I think well it's learned. Because out of all these people, all these players in this story, I relate to Terry the most because I'm not like super educated in science like all yeah. these fucking nerds are. I would just relate to Terry more because I'd be like sincerely scared and just trying to you know, like Yeah, he's just he's coming with every man logic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I definitely like I, I've i been saying the whole time, if I turned out like Terry in 20 years, I'd be very happy. Like, yeah. Um, But no, he, he was definitely like an absolute trooper. And I feel like what was really nice was say, like in these other stories that we cover, it's a lot of the time like the specialist comes in and pushes the family to the side or like do- takes everything they say with a pinch of salt or doesn't necessarily roll with what they're saying. Whereas with Terry, he was kind of absorbed into NIDS and everything he reported to them was like a factual event and they took it seriously and also took his advice on how to handle certain things. Yeah. Now, not always, but yeah. So he was like an integral part of the ongoing story. Mm-hmm. Like if he had to just sold the ranch and gone, I feel like we probably, I don't know, like definitely would have had, would not have had half as many accidents or incidents after that i feel like that's the same approach that cynthia roth took i think that's her name the lady who um studied the the african ufos yeah yeah like if she heard that somebody had a story and might have seen something or whatever she would seek them out to talk to them and and she would just be very like not she wouldn't patronize she would just like ask how did you feel? Yeah, like more that natural kind of question. Exactly. Like she like if it it's what you would call like good bedside manner. 
like yeah. with a doc, kind of like how a doctor has. It's the same thing. Right on. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask again on Instagram because I was genuinely curious. I wanted to know what people's favorite part of this whole saga was. But so far, the only answer I've had back was people saying, um, sitting outside, looking west and relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. That is, yeah, you did say that yesterday. Yeah. It, well, what, did, what were you talking about? I think I said I was going to go outside, <laughs> so look west and relax. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, we're going to go because I have to edit this and then we're going to go to see Ramstein. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as always, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, thank you for all the lovely ratings and reviews. Um, thank you for showing support to Dulce's Twitch and YouTube. And for my Just F and Go stories, that's a big deal. Uh, like that you're showing up on these like side things that we're doing now. Yeah. Um, and like I said, hopefully we can keep going with, with all of that in like full capacity and whatever. So yeah, don't forget to leave us a nice rating and review if you haven't. Don't forget to send your stories to us because we do like to do the titillating tales of true terror. Or I will read them on Just F and Go stories, whichever you prefer. Uh, just make sure to actually let me know which. And yeah, I think that's it. So thanks, everybody. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye.